0: All right, guys, we're going to start actually with our Q&A. How's the day going so far? Good. Good. This is, uh, we have about an hour and 15 minutes left, and we're going to dismiss you guys. I I've just such an, I enjoyed this weekend so, uh, so far. The Lord's done a lot of work, even in my own heart, as we've pursued this. So if you're in the back, you want to make your way forward, we're going to do our Q&A. You guys wrote some good questions. You got another one? Come give it to me. Come bring it up here, big guy. No shame. No shame. That's right. No shame. All right, Rachel, we need you up here. Timothy, Gillio. He's somewhere, he's coming, and then Emily, Emily, yeah, grab that mic, yeah, do that. Look at that! Seriously, I'm sorry for rushing you. <laughs> All right, are you guys ready for some questions? Some Q and A. Q, are you guys ready for this? Come on, Brian. Still got people in the back, but we're gonna let them. We're gonna let them just be in the back, I guess. Oh, it's always the musicians in the back. Come on, guys. So. How we're going to do this is I'm going to ask the question, and then whoever wants to jump on it, just raise your hand and we'll give you the microphone. Cool? Um, this, is a, this is a community event, so if like, you want to like, raise your hand and be like, talk more about that, just like yell at us, okay? Okay, here's our first question. Are all acts of sex allowed in marriage?
1: Sorry, I talk about this one every time I do a wedding. Um, for, <laughs> at the wedding? Not at the wedding. Could, that could be a new ministry opportunity. Awesome um, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, first, uh, it has to be mutual between both people. If I want something and Rachel doesn't want it, eh, not gonna happen. Um, same thing, vice versa. Secondly, nothing to do with the backside because the Bible talks about, one way, one yeah, way no yeah. anal stuff in there. Yeah. So, other than that, the Bible doesn't talk anything else. So no, anal sex. no anal
2: sex. Well, yeah, no why?
1: Sex. why? I don't have the verse, but there's a verse that talks about it.
2: Yes, yeah, sodomy. So, it literally says in the Word of God, like. Do not penetrate that area. So there you go. And it can cause damage. I'm a nurse. Like you can have, very, like rectal cancer can come from that. You can have tearing. I mean, you can, huge, like it's not good. You can have like not, not able to control your bowel movements afterwards. Like just, whoo. Um, but pornography is not okay in marriage. Like sexual, like that, That no that in marriage even is not okay. Watching it together, even consensual, like you both want to? No. <laughs> no. Um, is oral sex wrong in marriage? Again, what Tim said, if both are comfortable with it, absolutely, this is okay in marriage, oral sex. Yes. All things are on the table except for the backside. And, like, pornography, you know, and anything that would cause your partner, like, your, your, your spouse, to feel uncomfortable. And that's where that intimacy is. Like, and you can even just introduce, like, hey, I was thinking of trying this. And your partner might say, like, I mean, there were things early on in our marriage where I was like, hey, I'm thinking that we could do this. And he's like, I don't know. I'm kind of uncomfortable with that. And I'm like, okay. And, like, a week later, he's like, I think I want to try that. And I was like, Okay. <laughs>
0: Next question, if you have If you have dry sex, does that mean you're not a virgin? So we talked about that multiple times. Does that mean you're not a virgin?
2: I think it all comes down to the heart, right? Because out of the heart flows all the issues of life, and the Lord says, "Protect your heart." Above all, so I think it's the heart, right? Um, so I think that penetration like it's just it's just a, a sense of purity you're still a virgin, you have not had penetration in the world sense of your body anatomy. Yes, you have not been penetrated, you have not done the things that would break that seal to say you're a virgin, but it is going to the depths of a heart thing, and so but all of that is redemption, right? All of that can be purified and can be made completely whole again for all of those situations. Like, I wasn't a virgin, but God replaced that and renewed my virginity because it was finally virginity completely made whole in him, and then I came clean. As a, like, I felt, coming, I felt completely clean and pure on our wedding night, and there was nothing that the world could ever do to make me feel different in that, because I was so whole. So I think that dry sex, are you still a virgin? I think it's just all heart thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Nick, You're going to you have the anatomy of it, but...
3: Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's violating to your soul, right? And, and it plays into the purity aspect, right? So it's violating to your purity, but those things could be made pure and whole again... Um, so, so, yeah, I just, yeah, I'd agree. say I, so
0: you'd say it's heart issue. Is that what you're saying? In the sense of like, everything can be made new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wouldn't you say though, like, I'm just, this is conversation. Wouldn't you say there is a difference between like the, you mentioned like actual penetration sex, right? But I think what we get that even in Matthew five is that if you even lust after a woman, you've committed adultery in your heart. And so Really, is anyone a virgin? You know what I mean? It's like, it's a hard issue, but at the same time, I do think there is something, right? Like, having sex doesn't have an impact on you and in your soul, but so does dry sex and so does oral sex, so does making out, so does sending nudes, so does pornography. All of it has an effect on our soul. And I think sometimes, especially growing up in Christian culture, we have this prize of virginity, which is like, in a sense, a noble thing, in a sense, that we want to save ourselves for our partner. It's a noble thing. But sometimes we can use that as a weapon to say, well, I'm avert. You know what I mean? It's like we're like, not a weapon, but in a sense, a self-righteous trophy Trophy. that we're like, well, I never had sex. For me, like, I never had sex, but I had dry sex. (laughs) Like, more times than I could ever even count, right? I mean, between a girlfriend that I had in high school and then my wife when we were dating. And so it's like, am I, was I a virgin? Well, technically, yes, I never actually had sex, but I went about as close to the line as you can get, you know what I mean, without it. And so does that make me a virgin? I don't know. Like, it's kind of, not as a silly question, but it's kind of a it's, a, it's a black and white where God really deals with our heart.
4: It's like, why are you asking the question? You know, what do you really want to know? <laughs> is what's what's the boundary there? That's you know, is it is the boundary penetration or is the boundary you know your heart? <laughs> you know. Interesting. Yeah.
0: So it's like you're not protecting your sexuality; you're protecting your heart. Right. Yeah. To guard your heart.
4: Yeah. Why are you asking? You know, like I want to know how far I can go. Well, let's or, step back a second. <laughs> like, or is
0: it know? someone asking who's had dry sex and right. they're like, "Am yeah, I still a virgin? Know. Like, For you know sure, what I mean?"
4: and then the, and then again god would be like okay but i want your heart so like you know it's <laughs> like he would yeah. go back to that verse so, yeah
0: next question i'm having anxiety from previous sexual brokenness that has integrated into having anxiety um in marriage intimacy what are some practical ways to help me with that to do it together
4: okay wait say that can you say that again
0: so I'm having anxiety from previous sexual brokenness that is integrated into our, into having uh, anxiety in marriage intimacy. So, sex and marriage, having yep. it's affected their yep. intimacy in marriage. What are some practical ways to help me with that to heal together?
2: Okay. So, um, if it's a marriage that's, both of you are open to you know drawing close to the Lord and asking, I would just start with praying together, sitting together uh, away from the marriage bed and saying, God, can you bring back what needs to be brought to light where that anxiety started? Um, honestly, it, you can still do all of the work to go back and heal that sexual brokenness from before marriage and then it will then consequently, begin to heal the the current sexual intimacy in marriage. Um, Moral Revolution, the pastor who leads it, it's a valid, Chris, Chris Valentin and his wife, when they got married, they got married very closely when she was still having sexual brokenness with other men. And they met, they were pure, got married, and it was traumatic, their sex life for her. And a Christian counselor, they wound up getting, and this could be a great, you know, if you need that, it's wonderful. Um, uh, winning at home, uh, there's a lady, Sarah Young. She's wonderful. I've sent a lot of couples her way. She's amazing pastor's wife that walks husband and wife through a lot of stuff. Um, but they actually were directed to abstain for a month in agreement, if they could both be in agreement, right? Because you want to have agreement to abstain for a reason. Abstain means not have sex. Do you want me to clarify something? She was, she was like, getting so triggered. Every time. She was getting triggered from past sexual experiences, and it made sex painful, and it was traumatic. And so just to clarify. So they abstained for a month, and a month turned into 18 months, and she actually wound up because she didn't get that time to heal. Not saying you're not going to have sex for 18 months. But really going before the Lord, number one, asking for that to be revealed why, you know, walking back through those situations with the Holy Spirit. But if you're comfortable enough, do it on your own. But if you can bring and do it together, then if that, if that intimacy is there, I would do it together. Um, I think that's beautiful because then he, your husband or the wife will understand the process more and be able to be included in the process of making it he- yeah, the healing. So that's what
0: I... Yeah. My, my simple answer would be, not that it's a simple solution, because there isn't a simple solution, but I'd say the Lord has to do it, and I would really recommend going to counseling. <laughs> really recommend. I think if you come to like me as a pastor, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen, and I'm going to give some steps, but like Sarah Young is a sex counselor. All she does is talk to couples about their sexual history and their sex life. And so like, to have somebody who has that much experience helping people in their intimacy would be a very valuable investment in your marriage. Are you ready for the next question? Yes. Okay, what are some practical boundaries to have in a dating relationship? How far is too far? i to pass it down to so people. Hands on hands, lips on lips.
4: <laughs> what?
0: What are boundaries? Hands on hands, lips on lips. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a funny <laughs> phrase that I heard. I don't know.
4: We, we spent our session talking a lot about boundaries. The girls, um, um, Rachel, like, shared a really beautiful story that, like, just really painted a picture around the reason for boundaries. Um, that they're there to keep you alive basically um keep your soul alive but um so yeah within the context of dating like i feel like i mean boundaries is such a uh, like you know it's really difficult for us to tell you what your boundaries should be <laughs> that's something that you really need to listen to holy spirit for and like find peace in um but one thing that i um said in our group and um Because Tim and Rachel, they had this boundary of no kissing. Um, And yeah, they kissed like a week before their marriage. Um, Which I think is super cute, by the way. But like, (laughs) that's something that I kind of wish, like, we would have done. We had a boundary of no sex. And, you know, we had a very skewed, we had a broken history before we met each other. So we had a very skewed perspective of what that was still not understanding you know the the depth of that um so i wish you know we would have set up a farther boundary giving ourselves more of a buffer so my suggestion to you would be don't let the hard you know maximum be your boundary like be safe and set it far far back um so that it's just like goal setting like you know you want to get to here, well, you know, why don't you set your goal farther than that so that, you know, you can be, you know, safer, um, and that. if that makes sense. but
0: Yeah, I made a joke about, right, the joke is hands on hand, lips on lips, but practical boundaries is like, this is a really hard one because most people can't do it, but I'm not saying you should do this, but here's are some examples. Uh, don't ride in a car alone together at night. Don't drive in a car in, alone at night, because you'll be driving by a parking lot and you'll be like, "That parking lot's empty. Maybe we should park there, <laughs> right?" And then, or don't be ho- don't be alone in a house together, right? Um, there's other boundaries of hands on literally hands on hands, lips on lips. Other boundaries of no kissing, and then so there are some practical boundaries that you could have. But ultimately, it's an issue of the heart. If, you, if it's not in your heart, you will find ways to cross your boundaries and justify it. Always, 100% of the time. And so it's not an issue of boundaries, it's an issue of your heart, and then you set the boundaries around your yes, meaning around your goal and not around your no, what's bad, right? Protect what's good, don't avoid what's bad. And last thing I'll say to this is, some of you are like 18, 19, 20 and it's not in your like your mindset is I want to get married when I'm like 24. And so which is okay. But you got to realize if you're going to date for more than like a year and a half like I'm just telling you from experience it is going to be nearly impossible to not cross your boundaries. Yeah. And so as a man and as a woman whoever whatever you have to realize that w- once you start dating you're going to have an emotional connection to someone and your biology is going to say, have sex. Yeah. Your biology is going to say, like, 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 I want to orgasm with this person. Like, that's your body and that's good once you start dating. And so if you're not ready to provide or if you're not ready to get married within the next, whatever it is, year and a half, if you have a four-year timeline, then starting dating someone right now is setting yourself up for a trip. Because you're not able to abstain from what your body craves for three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You will cross boundaries, and you will, you will cross the boundaries that you've set, and it'll be really difficult. The Lord, like in my life, the Lord has really redeemed that, and he's brought us through it, but I would not recommend that to anyone. <laughs> Please, no. Anyway, that's just a practical of like when you choose to date, you got to have a timeline. It can't be inevitable. It can't, or inevitable. It can't be inevitable. There can't be like a three-year Dating process and expect to remain
1: pure. Uh, to give an example of that, Rachel and I got engaged and were married two and a half, two and two months and three weeks later. Uh, and I told the guys in my little group that we just had of the reason that was is because, hello, I'm a dude and she's hot. You know? Um, so it was like, hey, you know, we we got. We got engaged September 12th and was like, Hey, how about next month? That was literally the conversation and we couldn't find, we couldn't find a venue. So it's like, well, December was the quickest we could do to December 4th, but I like to change the terminology from boundary because if I'm playing basketball and I go out of bounds, I'm out of bounds. I might as well just stay out of bounds. Uh, if you change it and what I said in my group a little bit ago was guardrail, uh, when there, we went, we went to Kentucky a year and a half ago uh, for my sister in law's wedding. Y'all, that's crazy driving out there because I'm driving the car and like Rachel looks out her window like this and it's like 100 feet straight down. But what they do is they put out this, this guardrail. And the reason is if I hit the guardrail, it messes up my fender. I gotta go get some paintwork done. I might need some Bondo, a new bumper, but I'm in a safe place. But most of us, what we tend to do, especially in dating, is we put our guardrail like halfway down the cliff. And then we hit that and we roll over it and we're in bed with somebody and we're like, crap, this sucks. But Rachel and I, we were super strict. We're not going to be in a house alone because if I'm in a house alone with her, there are things I'm going to want to do because it's natural. And yeah, I said that and you guys laughed. I was like, "Praise the Lord, that's an amazing thing. That's godly." But so so we were super strict because if I hit a guardrail and I roll over the guardrail, the reason I like guardrail instead of boundary is boundary is like, well, we already kissed, might as well just keep making out. But if, if I have a, a guardrail, I'm like, okay, what happens when a semi-truck crashes into a guardrail on a highway? They don't move the guardrail to halfway down the hill. They rebuild the guardrail right where it was. And I think that's, that's the thing with, with this kind of situation. It's like we set up a guardrail that's in a safe place. When we hit it, it hurts. It wakes us up. We fix our car, we rebuild the guardrail where it was. It doesn't mean we move the guardrail. That's
0: good. You want to add? I want to ask you actually to clarify something, build upon it, Nick. Um, Could you talk about communicating boundaries in a relationship? So not just like, so you have your boundaries, you might have boundaries, but in order for the boundaries or the guardrails to work, two people have to agree upon those guardrails. So if you wanted to say what you're going to say, then maybe add and touch on that if you would.
3: Yeah. Yeah. This is a big topic in, in, in discipleship. We spend a long time going through this topic. A um, couple things that I'll say. One, I've never heard a couple, after they're married, say, oh, we set up far too many boundaries. So true. I, I've never heard a couple say that. I've always heard it the other way around. Um, two, I would say, set up boundaries in, in the context of community as well. like Allow mentors, allow uh, close friends to be able to speak into and help you work out why you would set up these boundaries, um, and then and have them set up. You keep saying guardrails, but I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna rephrase it too. The reason why I like boundaries is because if I have a, a Ferrari, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get an amazing garage. And then I'm going to get an amazing uh, alarm system for that garage. And then I'm going to get a gun in case that alarm system doesn't work. <laughs> Why is that? Because the Ferrari is valuable. When, when, when we only, and I, I like it to a certain degree, when we, when we talk about boundaries of protecting us from the bad things, then I start to look at somebody as, like, if we cross this, you're scary to me right? Does that make sense? Like if we go over this edge, it, that's scary to me. But when I, when I actually look and go, what is the thing that I'm valuing, our value system, I'm not going to go around, I say this in class all the time, I'm not going to go around and hand my wallet over to any old Yahoo on the street.
0: Or to, or to Remmer. Or to
3: Remmer. Yeah. <laughs> Especially to Remmer. He's not a Yahoo, but he, my he doesn't know that's how my, to... It's yeah. my three-year-old, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't know how to, how to steward this well. Uh, so when we, when we understand a value system, then goes into what you're talking about. How do we communicate boundaries? Well, now I'm communicating value that I'm protecting. I'm going to communicate, you don't come near my garage because I have something valuable in there. There's only certain people that I allow into the garage in order to look at my Ferrari. I don't have a Ferrari. I wish I had a Ferrari. but <laughs> Do you get what I mean? Like, it's a completely different thing when we understand what we're valuing. Guys, if you're in a relationship, you need to understand that the woman that you're in a relationship with is more valuable than a Ferrari. And your number one thing that you're protecting is, to a certain degree, her from yourself. You're respecting her value by not crossing over into that garage before it's your garage. Does that make sense? So many of us are going around treating each other as if we're the $200 Honda Civic that I used to own versus the Ferrari that you truly are. Ladies, can I tell you? You're far more valuable than a Ferrari. You're worth protecting and you should be setting up like a laser system. Does that make sense? So when, now when I'm communicating, it's not based off of I'm, I'm scared of you, so I'm not doing these things. It's going, no, I have something of value worth protecting. And if you want access to this, then we're going to go through a different type of journey, and that's called courting, and that's called marriage, and then you'll have access to this. But until then, if you come close to it, There's lasers, and then behind that, there's a shotgun.
0: (laughs) Yeah, a really good, a really good, it's not up there actually, but a really good book for that is True Love Dates. True Love Dates. It's a phenomenal book on dating, boundaries, everything that Nick was talking about.
2: It's just a great book. I just started reading that. I'm halfway through it. I wanted to add, so Tim wouldn't kiss me, and I told the girls in our breakout, the ladies, that. It did so much for my heart that, first of all, we always were were never, we didn't just not kiss. We also didn't ever, we were never in a home or a private setting like other than a coffee shop. So like a home, an apartment, things like that alone. And one of the pastors I listened to said that him and his wife, when they were dating, they always had their roommates home. And his roommate's name was Justin Case, Justin, first name, last name Case, And he was there just in case. (laughs) Like, literally, it was a real thing. So anyways, like, we always had somebody there. So Tim would be at my house with my parents because I moved back home from college and was living at home at the time. And he had roommates. So we would be at my parents' house, and my dad would walk out to take, like, the dog to the bathroom to go get the mail. And we'd be on the couch, like, you know, like this, like close, you know, but my dad's right there in the living room with us. He, rather than, like, be like, oh, this is my moment. Watching him fly out the door and chase after my dad because he's like, I can't be alone with you, was like, oh. Yeah, you can't be alone with me. Like that, like it like, I'm like, he has to run away from me because he likes me that much. It did so much to my heart. Um, so like the boundaries should be a blessing as well. It shouldn't remove the fun. Um, but it should bless you and honestly I've never dealt with one moment one second of a lack of trust in the 13 years that we've been together because he couldn't be in a room, a room alone with me who he desired the most and he wouldn't touch me the one that he wanted the most and because he wouldn't do that with me I've never had the thought that he would ever do that with somebody else so it was very powerful
0: um, yeah. Let's keep it rolling with the next question. It's a little, it should be a little bit quicker one maybe. Why does the church have this unsolicited culture of hugging?
3: everyone's really insecure and just <laughs> yet yeah, it's it's something that that we should break and we should like there's there's an aspect to where we're family right and and there is an aspect of like people want to hug because because they they love the individuals who are around but it should be said that that's not everybody's love language and in, in fact to some individuals you are not expressing love to them you are actually expressing violation to them like emily is not not much of a hugger i get to hug her all the time right but yeah it's, she's my ferrari though too so if you come up and try and hug my ferrari uh <laughs> that's right yeah we skip the lasers no uh, <laughs> but but that's where that was If you want to speak into that, that was like violating for you for a long time where people from the access community would just come up and assume that Emily was a hugger. I'm a big hugger, right? It's one of my love languages. So just to assume that Emily's a hugger because I'm a hugger, we make all these assumptions and we really need to start communicating. And if that makes you uncomfortable, well, then realize, one, the other individual is most likely trying to express love and care for you. But then, two, you can express that boundary of saying, That's not a way that I really receive love, right? And that's okay. And in our community especially, like, that should be an okay thing to communicate. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. I'll say, what I'll say is to two groups, right? So I would say to both parties. So the person who is a hugger, you should stop hugging people and assume that people want you to hug them. Okay? Just stop. Stop doing it. Now, you might have some close friends that you have from the opposite sex and there's like, okay, this is okay because of we've had a conversation, right, or whatever it is, but you should not assume that people want to hug you, ever. They don't. And on the contrary, some people, some people have had violating experiences with men and you doing that is tri- triggering the trauma that they've had with men who have assumed that their body was for the taking, So stop doing it, girls. Because sometimes they go girls. Sometimes girls are like hugging everyone, right? You got to realize you doing that communicates to a guy, especially at church. You are interested, okay? Even if you're not. So if you're going to do that, realize that. Number two, we have to grow as a community. We just talked about this in the discipleship program. Um, If you're someone who doesn't want to hug, listen. Stop being a victim and start being powerful. And when he, when he or she comes up to you, look at them in the face and say, I'm okay. Do not hug me. It's just how hard is that? Well, we want to be nice. And we're like, well, I don't want to be, you know, cause drama. Listen, you're causing drama because you're talking to the three girlfriends about the creepy guy who keeps hugging you. And so you're talking about it with people. Talk to this, the guy. It's just like literally if, if, if six of you girls would start saying no, that guy would stop. Maybe. Seriously, because he'd be like, "Oh my, like, oh my gosh, they're all—they do not want to be hugged." You know what I mean? And I'm not saying it's the always the guy, but most of the time it is the guy, right? And and so it's both parties. Guys, stop. <laughs> Girls, say no. You have the ability. It is not unkind to do that. It's not mean. It is being powerful and creating a place of safety and trust. Amen.
4: Yeah, I mean, um, I don't, I don't know if this question's in there anywhere, but. I did talk to the girls about this, like, in our session, too, of, like, you guys can, you know, this is kind of in the same vein. It's not hugging, but, like, you can say no if they ask for your number. Like, That's please. Cool. <laughs> That's not you just being nice. Like, yeah, I mean, I ask why or just, you know, it, you already know whether or not you want to give this person your number before they ask. Like, you already know. The, the flags are there. They're all red. And just say no. And I just want to, I, like, I don't say that in any kind of guilt or shame way. I'm give, like, please listen to this. Like, it, you have permission to tell that person no. And you have permission to not feel any shame or guilt about it. Like, know that the motivation behind the asking is nothing you need to feel bad about <laughs> so anyway um, and then too in that same vein if you ever feel uncomfortable if so, anyone ever makes you feel and this isn't just guys you know making girls feel uncomfortable but vice versa like if you ever feel uncomfortable please please come talk to any of us and tell us you know I can't tell you how many times I've seen a girl uncomfortable again i'm i'm just look i'm looking out for the ladies and i've seen that happen where like you know i've i've seen the conversation and like she pulls out her phone and i can see how uncomfortable she is and i can't tell you how many times i've had to come and butt in and say you know how's it how's it going or afterwards ask her like did you want to give him your number no i just didn't feel right about you know i just didn't you know i didn't want to be mean and it's like no let me go find him, and I'll find the guy, and I'll delete the number off of his phone. Like, because that's not what we are. Like, We don't do that. You know, we don't, you, you don't make someone feel uncomfortable and take advantage of that. You don't do that here. So anyway, that's in the same vein, but yeah.
3: I've literally watched Emily chase a guy down into the parking lot, pull him out of the vehicle, and say, no, show me your phone, we're gonna delete it right now. So, which is awesome. All right, uh, I was just going to say I, I had misunderstood what the question was. I thought it was just a general culture, so disregard everything I said and, and just listen to these guys. Okay, okay. I, was, I wasn't thinking of it, of just guys coming up and forcing hugs on. I think it's just a, it, it's not even just a, a guy to girl thing. Some of the girls don't want the girls to hug, and some of the guys don't want the guys to hug each other. Like, just get in the habit of going, Are you a hugger? Or just find another way of expressing a hello. I think both of them apply. I think <laughs> yeah. both, both apply. Totally. Because I hug some guys, and they're probably like, Stop touching me right now. <laughs> So Jake how do you especially d- doesn't like when I when I kiss him on the cheek. No, I do not like Ben. <laughs> what was it? Never mind. We're not going. We're, gonna go at, there. we're, we're not Mon- going to go there. We're at Montana. No, this is a good story. No, we're at ben? Montana with Ben. Oh, with Ben. Not that no, Ben no. one. No, 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 no. We're in Montana, and, <laughs> no, and like, what's always, the Ben one? What's the Ben story? I always joke around with like greeting each other with a holy kiss, right? And and with Ben, I'll come up and I'll hug him and I'll kiss his neck or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's because we're. Close friends. Uh, so we were in Montana. We were doing a, a silent fast where you couldn't say anything, and we were staying in the same cabin, different rooms. And, and Jake comes out. He's like, you know, giving the good morning hi. I was like, go up. I give him a hug and then I kissed him on the cheek because he couldn't yell at me. So, he was like, it was awesome. I hate that.
0: Here's the next question. How do you navigate sexual dreams? Sexual dreams. That's
3: a good question. One of the big things that I would say is, uh, especially when you wake up and you... Like, it just kind of lingers, right? It's like a, a song that's just on replay. Uh, we need to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We need to take those those dreams captive. Um, sometimes... Uh, there's just a, an honesty of, like, there are really abnormal dreams that end up, and I would say don't, don't read into them, right? Like, if you have a, a same-sex attraction dream, like, don't read into that. What does this say about me? Like, don't even allow the shame to come on, and if shame comes on, uh, bring it before the Lord and just say, God, I don't know what that, that was about, but I, I hand it over to you. I take it captive to the obedience of Christ, our, our brain does really jacked-up things. when we're, Like, I overheat when I sleep. I have a constant, like, thing of I wake up terrified of spiders, and I'm not even scared of spiders. But, like, I'll just wake up in the middle of the night terrified of spiders because when I'm overheating. And I'll have some really jacked-up, like, sexual dreams when I'm overheating or different things like that. So, one, don't read into them. Um, you know, if you have a, a dream about something, it's not, like, oh, I think I'm going to marry them, or something like, don't go down that route. Like, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And one of the best ways, if you ever had a song stuck in your head, you don't just get the song out of your head by not thinking about the song. It's continuously replaying. You find another song to start playing, and it, it takes over. So when those dreams are trying to play those visual things, and you wake up and it's just on constant replay or something like that, you find a more enticing, healthier thought to start thinking on, right? You start singing a a Christian song or something that you could take those thoughts captive, hand it over to Christ, and then actively partner with Him to bring your mind into a new place. That's what I would say.
0: Uh, My quick answer, because I could talk about this and expound on it, my quick answer would be there's two people... Two different types of people who are having sexual dreams. There's one type of person who is like, it's just like they're not looking at porn, they're not watching bad movies, they're not listening to bad, like sexual music. They're like, they're like literally setting their minds on things above, consistently have really strong boundaries and are really healthy in a healthy place. And then they have a sexual dream. And then in that, I would say in that case, listen to what Nick said, right? Take every thought captive. There are some people, let's be honest, you know why you're having sexual dreams. It's because your mind and your heart is full of sexual imagery and sexual drama and sexual things, and so you're gonna dream about what you gaze upon, right? You're gonna dream about what has your fascination, Um, and so I would say that's a good sign. That's a that's a sign of like you probably need stronger. You need to first take it to the Lord, right? And potentially use that as like, man, I okay, I'm not. I need to reevaluate some things, right? And so there's two different types of responses. One is just like take every thought captive if you're healthy. Two, there's probably a deeper issue that you got to go take to the Lord, take to a pastor, take to a friend and really start navigating, uh, really guarding your heart and reconnecting to the Father and really claiming the identity that that Christ sees you as. All right, next question. How do you uh, go about speaking the gospel to someone who is gay Uh, and very, they put, culturistic. I don't know if that's... Yeah, just in culture, right? Somebody who's gay and very involved in culture. Treat them as a human.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was just going to say, like, it doesn't matter that they're gay. (laughs) So, I mean, you would do it as you would anybody else because what's the difference between somebody who drinks alcohol if you would share the gospel with them or the one who doesn't or the one who gambles or the person who lies or gossips. Like, everything is of the same to the Lord. There's not, you know, and so I wouldn't let yourself feel uncomfortable. Like, there's a wall up because of that um, position in their life right now that they're stuck on. I would just ask the Holy Spirit to just give you The power to have the boldness and the courage to approach them because it's the power of the gospel that brings them to repentance. It's not you. It's the Holy Spirit, and it's the power of the gospel of Jesus. And so I wouldn't be going after their gay stance. You know, I would be going after Jesus loves you, Jesus died for you, the goodness of the gospel. Um, And I think that's what wins people. When we start going after them because of a sin like, Jesus would heal people, like, they would heal, he would heal the issue in their life, even adultery, to bring their heart to him. And so, yeah, I would just go at it like it's any, anything and not focus on that and don't let that be a barrier. I think sometimes in culture it's a barrier to us, we're like, we're uncomfortable, we can't relate maybe to that, but all the other sins we can relate to. Like, it's easier for us to dabble in that, but that could be a little bit more difficult. For us to relate to at times, but it shouldn 't be a barrier and I think as much as we can just pray for the Holy Spirit to not let that be a barrier and just go after them because all sin is of of the same to Jesus
3: I would say if you if you didn 't write down the list that Jake was bringing up uh, the the list of four individuals that you have been just learning so much from familiar, familiarize yourself with, uh, with those who were in that community and who came to Christ and how Christ wooed their heart, captured their heart, and brought them on a journey. Like in our, in our Western Christianity, we need to start learning how to reclaim a gospel that also leads naturally to discipleship. Again, all of these different issues, whether it's homosexuality, or any other sexual situation in, in issue, uh, it's all issues of discipleship. All of it gets, gets corrected in discipleship to Jesus Christ because we are a body of collective individuals who are chasing after Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives, not just as Savior, but as Lord of our lives. That means that what he says goes. So that doesn't mean that I run in and I go, what he says goes! But it does mean I'm presenting the gospel in such a way that, that says, I'm inviting you into a community who has surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord. Yeah. And, and that's ultimate to us, right? And painting that picture out, And it's ultimate to us because he showed himself to be the perfect sacrifice for us. It's ultimate to us because he's the only one who knows how the universe rightly works and how everything rightly works. He knows me better than I know myself. And now it doesn't matter what somebody's struggling with. That's an invitation into a walk and a journey of learning from Christ how to live our life as he was living our life for us. So,
1: Yeah, and the only things I'd just kind of add to that is um, there, there's a saying that no one cares what you know until they know that you care. Right. And if your heart is for trying to prove them wrong or something, whether it's, With this or it's with a math equation, it doesn't really matter. You know, honestly, if you can show someone that you love them, like, they're going to be open to having any conversation. Um, And then to kind of just finalize that, St. Francis of Assisi, he was a, I think he was a bishop in the church a long time ago, Uh, but he said, go out and preach the gospel, and when necessary, use words. Um, And that's just kind of a powerful way to live your life with anything. Go out and live the gospel out and there's going to come a moment where someone's going to ask you, and then at that moment, then you say, the reason I'm like this is because of who Jesus is in me.
3: I'd also say, to play along with that, is we as, as Christians going out in evangelizing, we need to learn how to not see people based off their sin, but to be able to see people based off of who God's called them to be. And when we can have eyes of compassion to be able to see through whatever muddy situation they're currently in, whether it's alcoholism, you know, uh, sexuality, any of these different things, we could actually see to their core the person that God's created them to be. The, The thing is, the rest of the world isn't doing that for them. And to be seen in that way, to be loved in that way, and to be approached in that way carries a completely different weight with it. And that's what we see in the Gospels. As Christ is walking up and he never allowed somebody's situation to get in the way of him, them, and the Lord. Right? So, shift our eyes. Don't look at people based off of their sin. We need to look at people based off of the cross.
0: Yeah, I will say it can be helpful. I would say that's the foundation, what Nick and Tim described, and Rachel is the foundation of our approach, right? If you don't have that, you don't really have much in the kingdom. But they're, they're, the Lord may, may direct us to have a philosophical response or a response to their objections. So, so what I would recommend is if you have a family member, is to not be, don't be someone who, just, who says, I'm just going to love them if they have objections, maybe the Lord's calling us to study the scriptures and to study the situation, to study the topic, and to bring a reasonable response to their objections, in order to bridge the gap to Christ. Right? Does that make sense? So, one person, if you're interested in this, one person I'd recommend if you go to YouTube, his name seems Dr. Sean McDowell, Dr. Sean McDowell, he has a ton of like conversations, and I would say of anyone that I've ever witnessed, I've done quite a bit of research and just quite a bit of studying on this. Out of all the people, he's, the, he's someone who, I like, this dude handles himself with so much grace, but he handles himself with so much truth. And he talks to homosexuals, he talks to transgenders, he does interviews with these people, he has conversations, he does some debates, and he answers these questions that are happening in culture in a way that is truthful, but it is just, it is just saturated with grace. I've been so impressed with him, so blessed by his YouTube Really, his YouTube ministry. Dr. Sean McDowell is his name. Um, We probably have time for one more question, um, which is crazy. What do I want to do? Where do I want to end? Where do I want to end? Where do I want to end? Okay. We'll end with this one, I guess. Um, What are a few tips for the ladies who want to honor uh, their... Hold on a second. What are a few tips for the ladies who want to honor their brothers in Christ? Examples, dress attire, one-to-one situations, space, hugs. So I'm not going to answer this one.
2: I think you go first.
4: Did you want to say something? Oh, I'm sorry. What was the example part that you read? So how
0: do we honor brothers in Christ? Dress. Like our attire addressing one to one situations, like space and hugs.
4: Honor them in that. Um, so, shoot, I had a thing and then it like went away. Um,
2: I'm sorry, I like totally had something I was going to say. Do you have something to say? Okay,
4: because it'll come to my brain. In the-
2: We covered this a bit in our session, um, but I think it's great for the guys to hear like our heart, like moving as women in your life that we really want to learn how to be a good sister in Christ and how to even help you to learn women, (laughs) like in, in a great way, in a beautiful way, as you're learning yourself, you know, as we're growing in the Lord how to treat each other and to value each other because you're always going to have sisters in Christ in your life even after marriage. Um, And so this was a big thing for me. I always made myself a temptress. So in my season of singleness, I really learned how to not allow myself to be an, like to make myself an object that would tempt a brother in Christ and I did it not out of rules and not out of religion and not out of like, oh, he has dirty eyes, so I have to make sure I don't feed his lust. But it was, oh my goodness, like, I love my brothers. I don't want, you know, to cause them to stumble. So I value myself so much now. Like, I love my body. I don't idolize my body. I love and I value my body because Jesus, like, God made it. Um, and it's a gift, so I was very particular about the things that I wore, just that I wouldn't draw attention in a way of lust, but I could still draw attention in a way of admiration, like, you know, like, you can still look really nice and put together, but not in a lustful way, and it's just, how does the things hang on your body, you know, when I lean over, does my, do my breasts show? I just said that because I'm going to go there. Um, you know, like just am I being conscientious? Like when I bend over, when I go to the beach, do I show things that show all of what I've got? Because I could, and I take care of what I've got. Or I could throw a, you know, a, what is it, a rash guard shirt over it and go play volleyball and I have to worry about anything showing. You know, like so I'm conscientious about clothing I'm conscientious about, like, yeah, like, I rarely, if I hug a brother in Christ, it's usually a really close guy in my life that is a friend, you know, and I'm always so honoring, it's usually just like this, it's never like a full, like, full contact, front to front, um, so things like that, um, I honor my brothers in Christ and how I talk, like, even in my testimony, I was even very mindful That I didn't want to paint pictures that would make minds go places. So, like, I'm always thinking, how can I honor? How can I honor God and explain and be real, but also protect my brothers in Christ? So, it's a journey that we all learn.
1: I'll kind of go back to what Nick was saying about like the Ferrari and the car. And from like, if you have that mindset of both the men the godly men that you're around and about yourself, I think you'll naturally tend towards wanting to be honoring. You know, I, I don't think it's a set of rules. I don't think it's like get out the Sharpie or someone's going to do a tattoo like right here and right here. And we better not see it. It's like or it's like, hey, where's your like, value yourself and value the men and I think, you, I think you'll naturally go towards honoring it.
0: And just to kind of go to the guy side, I think this conversation often gets had for the women. And I'll just piggyback and answer, how can guys <laughs> honor women, right? And I would say, we have to honor women, our sisters in Christ, all women, and realize that they're not objects, right? They're our sisters, and to honor them and value them with the utmost respect, and go above and beyond to, to to honor who God has made them to be and when you are around guys who objectify women, one way that you can do that is set a boundary and shut them up right and say and you can 't control people, but you can say that 's not happening when i 'm around. Mm-hmm. Yep. One way to honor honor women is to is to honor them even when they're not around. And so I'd say women, right? So you're speaking to women. I'm speaking to men, right? Honor women. Honor that they're your sister in Christ. And like what Nick said, we're protecting them from ourselves and from, in a sense, other men who might have ill motives.
4: Yeah, I think another part of that, like for honoring honoring your guy friends, um, like... It kind of goes back to boundaries, too, of, like, just not putting yourselves in positions of leading somebody on. Um, Because, it. I mean, I don't understand the guy's brain very well, but I know that they very easily... I know that they very easily feel like you're saying yes to something that you might not be saying yes to. Or that you're... And if you're manipulative enough... You can play that field and be like, you know, maybe I do want to say yes to that, but I don't know. So I'll lead the guy on until I know for sure. And you're just kind of wasting everyone's time at that point. But um, so for um, one of the things that I brought up as far as like, you know, boundaries was when I was on that journey um, of, you know, uh, kind of healing. A boundary I put up was like, no one on one texts or conversations or phone calls or hangouts with anybody that i wasn't you know serious about you know and then that way you're honoring and respecting um you know the men in your life Um, and another thing i'll just say about that is like men like crave respect um and you know one way to like respect them is just you know you're you know your your guy friends just watch them and and speak encouragement over them of what they're you know what they're doing well in life um you know not that that needs to be your pickup line or anything but that was my pickup line but (laughs) I just watched Nick and I saw how genuine he was of a person before we had ever really met and I just you know said hey my name's Emily I I just so want you to know I just see that you're just a really genuine guy, and I just really appreciate it. And, like, that just spoke volumes to him. You know, we weren't dating or anything. But that's just, you know, something that men really need is to feel respected. Um, so if you're looking for ways to love on in a healthy way, right, <laughs> not in a manipulative way, not in a way that you're trying to get something from them, but just, you know, in a loving way, like notice what they're doing well in their life and encourage them in that. Yeah.
0: So that's all the time we have for the Q&A. We, I don't know, I'm not going to promise.